You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Bertha Rogers. Bertha, thanks so much for being with me today. My pleasure. Bertha, we're talking on September 16th in 2021. You're in upstate New York. How, uh, how has the last year been? We're going to talk, of course, about your writing uh, throughout this interview, but I'm, I'm curious how the last year has been for you in terms of, um, of your work. Well, in terms of my work, it's, it's actually been good because of, because of COVID and the, the lockdown. Um, I, I live already, I live in a rural area in the mountains, and I live on a little mountain, so I don't, I'm not distracted by much. I'm able, uh, I'm able to do my work. <laughs> and actually, I've written quite a few poems this year on the pandemic, which is not my normal, I don't normally write to topical topics. Uh, so that's been kind of interesting. And um, so in, in this whole year, you've been writing, doing your writing. Have you been involved in other projects too? Are you teaching, translating? I've done uh, quite a bit of reading. I do teach for the organization I founded um, in 1992. I resigned as executive director in 2017, but I still teach literary workshops for children, and I do I edit poetry books and other work for the organization. So uh, yeah, and I've been working on more translations. I translated Beowulf, that was published in 2000, and then um, I translated the 95 riddles from the Exeter uh, Riddle Book, the thousand-year-old book, and uh, that was published in 2019. So I've been busy, yes. <laughs> you have been, and, and I know you're going to read to us today. Uh, I'd love to hear a poem now. What is the first poem you're, you're reading? I'm going to read a poem called... And it's from my book that came out in 2019, the collection. I'm going to read a poem called Holy Beast. And it goes like this. Once I was part of a holy beast, I was. I was a dog, a bear, a horse. I was the leader and the dragging lead. My fur was both sleek and shaggy, black and white. I was as tall as a stallion, long-maned, yet bony, as deep-withered as a dog. I barked and I whinnied, I growled, I cantered and I loped, I lumbered. This was before I was born, before I slid from the cave, where I was hailed, then demeaned for my unnatural cries. I rose up, red dogs spinning rain, swirling band of pink. At last they knew me in my corner. The words they gave left. I barked again. Thank you. Um, let's, let's, let's talk about that poem. It's, a, uh, it's, very, it's very kind of, uh, I, I see images of, of, of kind of survival, and it, and it reminds me a little bit, or, or the association I make with it is... Um, is kind of uh, the the 
an artist surviving, an artist uh, making a sound, uh, a writer trying to make their way in, into the world to, to some degree. I mean, this is just my kind of um, what I was thinking while that was while that was happening. Is, is is that in part what it's about, or, or is there something else? Yes, I, I would say it's in part. It also takes into uh, takes into context. Uh, where I live, because where I live is on a mountain, and I have um, a forest here, so I'm very involved with, I've lived here for 31 years, and I'm very involved with nature. Uh, the beauty of solitude, of course, is that you're able to see things more clearly, I think. So, Let's talk so, about yeah. that a little bit. The solitude, seeing things more clearly. So, so being in nature, because that, that that you know isn't the case for everyone. Some people see things more clearly. Some people have a have a difficulty being in in um, in solitude and in nature. But by seeing things more clearly, I mean what things exactly? We're talking about nature and and ob- observing nature. But you mean time for for reflection, the kind of quietness in, in which you right. see more? Right. I think, I think absolutely. Time for reflection and being quiet, being quiet enough so that you can see what else is around you. And the, the beauty of living like this is that um, I feel a more direct kinship with everything around me, not just people, but with the trees and I know this sounds a little bit like, quote, I talk to the trees, but... but um, I, li- I like that. Yeah, feel free to talk about that. It, it yeah. does, but I think we do and should. So, um, yeah, please keep going. Well, when I, when I moved up to the mountains in 1989, I had been living in Manhattan for a long time. And when I moved up here, uh, I wanted to plant trees. And I planted a thousand spruces. I have a spruce forest, trees that are about 80, 100 feet tall now. And this was part of the New York State uh, DEC, the uh, reforestry program. And I planted 100 black walnuts, so I have a walnut grove now, and a whole lot of other trees. So it's like like paradise, (laughs) to tell you the truth. But that's amazing. So you planted, how many trees in total did you plant? Well, in total, uh, uh, more than 200 trees and shrubs, right. Yeah. And, and and that was, what, almost 30 years ago? Yeah, I started planting in in 30 years ago, yeah. And, so... Uh, so that that is kind of like these are your these are your children in a sense. If I'm not if I'm not reaching too far, so so uh, tell me more about these kind of close observations. You are in a sense speaking to the trees. These are you've 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 in a sense given birth to all these trees. You brought this here, uh, you know. I mean, with, with great help from everything else in in nature. Um, that in particular must be a kind of different way of looking at the world. Because these it's, trees you planted, you know. Right, and what, what's happened is the pasture where the trees were planted, they were all, you know, like 12, like one foot long little saplings. And um, they were planted in what was a pasture. And uh, so they've taken over, and the whole uh, ecology of that field 
has changed, has become something else entirely because what happens is that the trees take over and I have learned that if you have a lot of trees, especially related trees, and I'm assuming my trees were related, they came from the New York Street, New York State Nursery, uh, that they com- they communicate to each other, and uh, mm. so that's fascinating. And what's also happened because of the trees is more wildlife has appeared. I have a at least one bear who travels through, and deer, and a fisher, and weasels, and all these different animals that don't come to places that are, you know, carefully mowed and and uh, and st- straightened out so people would like them. So, so it's become a whole different little universe. And that universe, as opposed to the universe of New York City, which, you know, is also... Um, to some, a great place for artists, poets of, of all kinds. Um, how do those balance out? Do you come to the city much, or do you feel that you're getting everything you need where you are? Well, I used to come to the city a lot. I used to teach down there uh, through Teachers and Writers Collaborative, so I came a lot. But obviously, in the last couple of years, everything's changed. And, and I have only been to the city maybe twice in a year. Um, I did love New York, and I love Central Park, and uh, I thought New York was a wonderful, wonderful place to live. And there are things I miss about it, you know, the the museums, the opera, but um, all said, I think I made the right choice for me. I'd love to hear another poem. What are, what are you going to read next? Well, I'll read a poem... Um, about planting the trees. It's called Planting Wildness. The stooped and swaying labor that planted a thousand seedling spruces is not wasted. Immediately they take to the mountain. In seven days, and as if they were native to this thin earth, they display bright, wild needles from the tips of their fingers. While you wane, the trees increase their bodies adding arms, adding digits. In 10 years, they attain a giant's height. 15 years, and there is no trace of the meadow that tried to choke their roots. The sun's light cannot penetrate their density. Birds nest, bears test their circumference. You, remembering the old, tamed slope, avert your eyes as you enter. Walk cautiously among spiraling branches. This is the reason you lift your head off the pillow each morning. You go willing to sleep every night, even when the bleakness is hard upon you. Thank you. Uh, that was. I'm so glad you read that one. That makes clear that that um, yeah, that that extraordinary world that. You've built right. That's a, that's that's your own um, environment there in a way, and 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 in being in the, in that environment also has that has that changed how you how you write or approach writing or teaching or or editing. I I think so. I think the more the longer I've lived here, the more I understand the environment, and. Um, 
have no have no desire to mold it to what I would like. You know what what I might have wanted to like a long time ago. Now I'm just I'm just happy in the environment. And um, and is there something more that you're doing out there? I mean, all those trees are planted. It sounds like that's about as much as you can do. Are you still planting or tending or weeding? Is that part of what happens every day in that space? I used to, I used to, um, after most of them had been planted, I used to plant a tree every year. And now I realize that I'm sort of out of the space to plant the trees <laughs> every year. So uh, the, trees, the trees have taken mm-hmm. over the space. So um, I'm able to... I'm able to really enjoy them and watch them as they grow. Some of them grow very slowly. Some of them grow very fast. And it's really interesting to see, you know, how they, how they move, how they live in the environment. Hmm. So I feel, I feel really lucky to, to be here in this situation. And I'm not sorry about living in New York at all. I love that. But for me, it was time, and I was in a situation where I was able to make the change. And it seems, I mean, there's almost something, um, I don't know quite how to describe it, but in that poem, as, as I remember, talking about how the trees grow as, as, as we wane, you know, they're, they're also a reminder of, of their own longevity and... Um, and how brief our life is, right? I mean, there's, there's yes. uh, that seems to be what's addressed, which is, which is a beautiful thing, but also, um, uh, you know, a, a very, a very kind of sober thought on on, on, on mortality, uh, which, you know, is is um, I'm not sure how to, how to how to say it, but that but that in itself is. Is confronting is part of what nature teaches us, right? Or, or right. could that that that, right. that, uh, uh, that life is brief for us anyway? Right, and we we think of you know this this whole the human thing dominion over. One thing, especially that I've learned here is we don't have dominion over. We're part of the process, you know, and uh, we don't need to have dominion over. <laughs> we we can it's perfectly wonderful to just be part of the process. So, so let's hear one more poem. I'd, I'd love to okay. hear another before we go. This is more along that theme and it's called Wild Again. When the forest was field after orchard after field after forest, when these spruces had not been thought by grasses encumbered only by wild Wild, oh, that's my dog. No, by Mm, wild red strawberries. The dogs ran in there every day. They corralled and cowed speckled airshirts, whooped and barked for the farmer lords. They herded those cows into stalls until the milk was gone. The barns fell down. Then there was a rainy planting, fingerlings slippered into bladed soil with rocked clay, followed by slow growth, passages to sky's eye, patient, steady renovation from green staves, red fruit, earth's increase, to stippled, needled, knotty ground. 
and at last only this slant-lit site where primal dog paws found russet spurs shed by leaning lithe underboughs. Ah, wind suing, susurrating, and just there, the doe's immigrant eyes home again in her found wild. Thank you. Um, what a beautiful poem, you know, the the language, the sound, that one in particular felt very uh, musical to me almost. Thank you. I, you know, I just, language is, language is, is so important and our language is so rich and there's so many words like, like, suing and susurrating which which i love the sound of and the i do too i was thinking that in specifically yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that makes translation all the harder doesn't it which which of course you're also involved in but that's that's one of the difficulties of translation it is um and uh i sort of feel there are there are two well basically two modes of translation and my feeling about translation was that you the translator sort of you have to give yourself over um and another way of thinking about translation is that you take over the translation and it becomes yours but i always feel that you're sort of you're a servant in in translation and it's fascinating i've i've done some Latin translating. The Anglo-Saxon is, um, with the 95 Riddle poems was especially fascinating to me because of there are so many words that, that sound similar but are not. And these people were masters of metaphor. Um, so that was... I, I can't think of a more difficult thing to translate. <laughs> you know? and, the, and on top of that, the riddle associations, that, that, yeah, that seems... Yeah, it's fascinating because uh, one of the things I teach when I teach children writing is we always end up writing some riddles because it, it helps you to understand outside of our normal, just literal thinking. I could read one of the translations if you'd like. I'd love that, yeah. Okay, so this is a, uh, well, I won't give you the answer till then. Uh, um, you, you have to try to guess it. Ring-bound, okay. I am a sometimes worker, giving way to him whom I serve. I leap from my night bed, bright call. My hall lord has gifted me with a torque. Often, though sleep bereft, I must bide patiently the grim-hearted wave of master or must. Through winter rhymed, I respond. A warm limb bursts my ring at times, making joyful both me and my dullard servant. If we are lucky, I sing truth, a resounding, wordful riddle. Should I tell you what? Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think I've guessed it. At first I thought it was a ring, but that seemed too literal. And um, uh, and then I thought it might have been a book. Uh, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> and, okay, it's it's a bell. So a bell. It's, so the bell gets struck, and it's, ru it's rung by being struck. Um, and uh, it has to wait 
until the master moves it and it it stays quiet until it is told to wake up and these are so they're they're so exciting because they are full of these wonderful metaphors and they make you think in different ways about about things about nature about things there are a lot of them that are about nature there's uh, several of them that are about storms and um, earthquakes and ocean waves because they were written by people who spent a lot of time on the water and uh, it's just it's amazing to me how brilliant these people were and most of these riddles were uh, oral because most of the people didn't read and write and the monks wrote them down so uh, good for the monks because they wouldn't have got saved otherwise. But I just have a, I imagine these people uh, of an evening sitting around and having riddle contests. <laughs> yes, there is something really wonderful about that um, yeah. because we don't, unless we're reading. Um, I, read, I read a lot of different things, and I. I, I read a good amount of poetry, but not riddles. You know, that was something that I did as a child, but obviously makes makes uh, as much sense now as as an adult. Yeah, it's and it's it's. I was very, I was very sad when I finished <laughs> translating these. <laughs> so, because it was such a such a journey, uh, and. And that and that translation is available now. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Bertha, uh, it's been great talking to you today about this, and I, I, I want to ask you one more question, which is, uh, what are you reading at the moment? I am reading, oddly enough, well, it's not so odd. I am I'm uh, leading a reading and discussion group up here. Uh, sponsored by the New York State Humanities Council, and we're studying the reaching of, to the American dream. And so the first book, which we've just started, is Humboldt's Gift by Saul Bellow, and then we'll be doing American Pastoral by Philip Roth, and Interpreter of Maladies, and uh, one other. And uh, so I'm reading those books right now. And oh, rereading, in fact, which is which is really terrific because you remember how how fabulous those books were and how exciting it was to read them. So it's that great is to exciting. Read them. Yeah. Well, Bertha, I want to thank you so much for your for your time today and and also your your work and reading. Thank you so much, Bertha. My pleasure. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.